Yes, yes, everybody. This is the interview which we did a few weeks ago with Nikki and Swami Shatanya. Uh, this is in the full-length interview from start to finish. You might have already heard half of it, but then there's the other half after that, which contains loads of good information and just some general laughs and banter between the six of us, seven of us. There's quite a few of us in the conversation. But it's an epic conversation, and I hope you all enjoy it. I also hope you all enjoy the festive season. Christmas is on the way. I'm sending this out on the 21st of December, so it's only four days away until Christmas. But on Friday, on Friday the 24th, which is Christmas Eve, we're having a Christmas Eve session over on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash highonhomegrown. You can search for us there and join us at 9 p.m. GMT. That's a UK time. I'm not sure what time that is for you, but everybody's welcome to come and join us. We're just going to chat some shit about Christmas or cannabis in general. We don't know. When we get there, we'll decide what we're talking about. That's how we usually roll. So come join us. Everybody is welcome. We'd love to see you there. If you're not too busy, of course, helping Santa get presents into the house. You know what I'm saying? But of course, everybody is welcome. We would love to see you there. Uh, and I hope you enjoy the interview. This is what we got for this week. There'll be more next week. Uh, and there'll be some changes coming to the podcast in January time as well. But you'll, you can find out more about that if you join us on Friday. But there'll be more information coming up in some future podcasts. We're just about to hit 100,000 downloads. We might hit it before the end of the year, but we should definitely hit that in January. Thanks to everybody who has downloaded the podcast and become a YouTube member, become a Patreon, supported the show, even just by downloading and sharing the show with friends. That's a great way to support us. And we massively appreciate it. So Without further ado, here's the interview, and I'll drop some spiel on the end just to uh, to end it up as well. But enjoy, and I'll speak to you in about half hour. Nice. So how have things been? How was the harvest this year? Oh, harvest was great. It went off without any uh, hitches, really, and the buds look really good. We got everything in before the rain. It's now all dried and, and down in the brown paper bags. It's just uh, waiting to get all trimmed up. Oh, nice. Awesome. Have you sampled any yet? You're just waiting for, waiting for it to cure. Well, actually, uh, what I sample is what we call floor weed. When, whenever you, we hang this stuff in these uh, lattices and, and little branches and buds fall off onto the floor. Hmm. And so we prize those. That's what we smoke. <laughs> just walking past like, oops, look at that. Cola's yeah, just fallen off. Yeah, right. Oh, it fell down. I better hey. smoke it kind of thing. So, and a lot of times you don't even know what cultivar it was. So you're just happy to get to get a smoke. But to be in all honesty, I'm still smoking last year's harvest from uh, 2020 in October, Ooh. right? Because I really love that aged year old flower that's mm. just so rich and, and flavorful. I don't like the green stuff so much. So, uh, yeah, we don't really let our flower out on, on sale until like January at any rate. So it's got a couple of months just to cure and, and, and really get to that stuff where it's really awesome. cannabis. You can proper growers. Yeah, proper growers. That makes a big difference, you know? Make sure yeah, it's yeah. done properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the cure is so important. Yeah. I mean, you can destroy the whole thing if you don't cure it and yeah. dry it, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing also is that uh, when you have sun-grown flower, you know, that's been energized by the sun for over seven months, it holds its potency, it holds its power for much, much longer than, uh, than indoor flower. And we found that over the time holds its terpenes and everything. So for me, I really like our flower when it's about six months old. And then if you store it right, it'll last for another year. So I'll mm -hmm. be smoking 20, 
I'll be smoking 2020 harvest into uh, 2022 by March, and then I'll probably switch over to this year. Oh, man. That's, I'm so kind of that weird. Okay, well, you, you well, said I something. I wish I could make mine last that long. Really? You, you said something there, and it's, it's kind of curious. You said if, if you store it correctly, how, do, how am I supposed to store it so that it lasts another year past that six months? Well, uh, number one, it's got to be in something that's dark, uh -huh. and it's got to be a cool. Uh, you know, we like 60% humidity and not more than 60 degrees temperature. There and you go. if you put it into a dark jar in a dark room and, and, glass. and so on, make it, make sure glass, it's glass, make sure it's glass right. and sealed, uh -huh. and then don't open it. You know, take a, you know, get a quart jar, a liter jar or something, and then put it away. And then when you want to open it uh, six to eight months later, then mm -hmm. you what we call, you can't it into smaller containers. So you take that big jar and put it in a smaller jar. So you're only opening the jar that you're using that, that for those few joints and so on. And you keep everything in the cool and dark and, and it'll last a good long time. It'll change color on you because uh -huh. the chlorophyll uh, changes. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, some people like the really green, but when it gets that kind of rich, you know, kind of army khaki green, mm -hmm. uh, then, you really, then it's really good, you know, and, and uh, there's a whole kind of drying, curing, aging thing. And when it gets to that, it's not green, green, green anymore, mm -hmm. uh, but it's actually now really cannabis. It's aged and become what it's supposed to be rather than the green stuff, because as it dries, there are several things that happen. Number one, the CBN supposedly increases uh, as time from harvest. And number two, uh, some of the monoterpenes evaporate and off gas, right? But also some of those monoterpenes then do a thing they call polymerization, where they, they kind of hook up and join together and they make polyterpenes, which still have potency, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other thing that happens is the chlorophyll kind of uh, breaks down and, uh, and more or less oxidizes. So if you're taking those CBN and terpenes and, and uh, chlorophyll, those are changing in time. And with 500 other compounds in the cannabis plant, everything must be sort of changing. So for me, there's that moment somewhere like sometime in March after an October harvest when you say, oh yeah, now it's ready. Now, wow. it's, now it's ready. And then you I keep understand. it there. Yep, I understand exactly what you're talking about. I, I kind of have to agree with you. That six month time frame is the sweet spot for me. Right. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I don't yeah. think I've ever managed then, to make my weed last uh, that long. <laughs> 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 well, when, when you're a big grower, when you're a big grower, yeah, you know, we have about, what, we have about 400 pounds. Uh, you can set some aside and uh, so on. And that's a big that's side. Small. 400 pounds. These <laughs> yeah. days right. in California, there's people with what that guy say, 40,000 pounds? Oh, yeah, there's big, big growers Jeez. here in Washington, Oregon, California. They thousands have acres and, and acres. Thousands. And they're flooding thousands. the market with really, uh, what should I call it? Low Cheap quality. Weed. Yeah, yeah. That'll do. Mediocre. And so we're trying to hold the standard as the sun growers up in the north where it's the ideal climate uh, for quality cannabis, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and we're holding out on the price line too. Good man, you that you price. deserve to because you do the job right. You know, you, you bring out some quality weed. I've never tried it myself, obviously, but you know, you have a reputation <laughs> for bringing out the good shit, and you do it right, organic yeah, and the well, soil is so grown. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, the other thing is that we keep learning. 
right? Now, I'm kind of a geezer, as you might see. I'm, I'm 78 years old. Nikki's a spring chicken. I won't even tell you how old she is. Uh, but, uh, yeah, right. you know, so it, it's like I'm still learning. That's what's so thrilling about cannabis. Yeah. It's still teaching me. I'm learning about regenerative agriculture. Uh, you know, I'm learning about all the, the basis of organics. We're learning about terpenes. And, and now the, the new thing also is people are starting talking about flavonoids. Right yes. now, flavonoids are also in cannabis, and they have you know healing and medicinal properties as well. They have uh, aroma properties, uh, but the main thing with uh, flavonoids is they're antioxidants. And so, Ooh. when you have something like blueberries or raspberries or blackberries, that color, that dark color, is from the flavonoids, and that's the antioxidant thing. And so, that's one of the really important parts about about cannabis is that medicinal quality from the flavonoids. We're just starting to investigate that. Mm -hmm. Well, you've been, you've been in this cannabis game for a long time, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> long time. <laughs> Let's see. I sold my first weed in 1969. Wow. Um, Were you old enough to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was what, 15? I, mean, I was 14. <laughs> it, was, it was basically uh, about a week after I smoked my first joint, because I realized, oh, okay, if I sell some of this, I can get enough to buy my own, because yeah, it was yeah. all of ten dollars for a, a lid, what we called a lid, which was about a, you know, three finger baggy full of weed. <laughs> no one really put it out. And mind you, this was San Francisco in nineteen. Yeah, it was San Francisco in nineteen sixty nine. It was the kingdom of hippiedom and all wow, that. Wow, that was crazy. And, um, yeah. yeah, so yeah, and I sold my first lid on Hate Street uh, probably around the same time, 68 or 69. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, then I grew my first weed also uh, up on Telegraph Hill in San Francisco mm -hmm. uh, in about 1970 also. So 78, I thought. 78, right, yeah. 78. So, yeah, we've been doing this for a while. <laughs> we've been up here in Mendocino County, up in Mendocino County where we live now. We've been up here for, what, 18 years now? Yeah, uh, well on this piece of property yes on this piece of property 18 years so i now i've actually been growing for 17 years and more or less in the same spot and it kind of takes that amount of time to dial it in you know mm -hmm. dial in your climate and your seasonal changes and what your soil's like and so on so it's always a growing learning process that's one of the things so thrilling about it it's like at my age i'm still learning keeps my brain alive mm -hmm. yeah, and it's not only about the growing you know it's it's the learning about the business too because you know, yeah, I sold a lid, you know, I sold weed when I was 14, 15 and onwards, but you know, now it's turned into like real business where you mm. got to file tax, you got to see the accountant and the attorney and you know, all this paperwork. <laughs> and Lab test, investigations, examiners, all that stuff coming at you now. Exactly, exactly. exactly. Did, did you ever think way back then that you would actually be doing it as a legal business? Well, you know, we'd get really high and fantasize about it. Yeah, no, we and, would fantasize about billboards, um, about pre-roll joints, yeah. about all those things, about how it's just being regular, uh, you know, stoned hippie uh, tripping out and so on. And so much <laughs> of that stuff has come to pass. So it just also tells you once again that if you dream about things, dream big, you know, yeah, and dream right. real, dream in detail, dream in detail. And, and those things will come to pass if you put your energy on them. I remember back in, the day, in those days you were talking about dreaming about having 
having a uh, just a pipe next to me sitting on sitting on not a pipe but a hose next to me uh, on the end table there where I could pick it up and just take a hit yeah. now I got a vape yeah. cart with a battery <laughs> on it I can pick it up and take a hit anytime so you're right dream it and we do get it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you only get yeah, what you, you know, settle for <laughs> yeah be careful because you it's all in the details right and yeah. so in the details yeah. that's where they're kind of getting us now uh, all those details, we call it up here, death, death by a thousand cuts. Uh -huh. If the one tax doesn't get you, the one permit yeah. gets you, or the building inspection, or whatever it is, or now the price up here has dropped because a couple of really big grows down in Southern California have come online and they flooded the market with the mediocre weed. So, you know, last year, as much people were getting like 1200 a pound wholesale, Mm. And now people are saying it's it's 500 a pound. No, they're wholesale. saying down to 250. If, if you can sell it and then, uh, 250 and so on. Yeah. So it's really serious out here in that sense. But you know what? We don't really want to bitch and complain about it, you know, because we love our crop and we have the people who really want to buy our flour. And, and yeah, we yeah. feel we're really giving something out there that is not just a, a, a physical healing, but a spiritual uplifting as well. So we want to keep that going. Yes, yeah, so you guys have a special connection to the to cannabis. Like, with no other guests we speak to have the same connection to the plant as you guys have. Have yeah. you always well, uh, yeah. have you always had that spiritual connection with the plant, or is it something that developed over time? Well, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Back in the early hippie days, you know, we smoked it to get high, you know. Mm. And what do we mean by that? Remember, you know, Nikki and I are the original hippies from San Francisco, right? OGs, as they say. So in oh, the late, geez. late 60s, Indeed. yeah, <laughs> it was all about raising your consciousness. And we use cannabis as a creative stimulant, uh, you know, for music, for uh, painting. And also, you know, on the other level for making outrageous food and great cookies and building a house and, and yeah. making some outrageous embroidery or something like that. Mm -hmm. the, the creativity of cannabis was one of its key things. And along, when you're in, in that creative measurement, you start to feel energy flow. And where's that energy flow come from? It comes from some higher order right? You as the creator, you're just channeling the energy and you make your own personal statement with it, but the energy flows through from a higher place and cannabis opens those doors, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, Nikki likes to say cannabis is a gateway drug. It's a gateway to higher consciousness, right? It's a gateway to realizing the spirit in all places. And mm. as far as whether we've always had those kind of connections, I mean, it might not have been quite as articulated when we were younger, mm -hmm. but I think it was true because, of course, we were also doing psychedelics, you know, um, and basically, you know, for me, I smoked my first joint at 14. Two weeks later, I did my first Mexican mescaline trip. So, Whoa, cool. um, you know, it kind of uh, led right to that. So, I mean, I guess you could say it was a gateway, but that was, like I say, a higher consciousness. Right. And, mm -hmm. and just as soon as you start getting into those other levels of reality, um, for people like us, everything becomes a spiritual journey, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and our friend Terry Haggerty was just pointing out the other day that in the old days, you know, you take your acid trip and, uh, and then you'd be coming down off it and you sort of ease that come down by a nice joint, right? Mm -hmm. And that would sort of continue, continue the, the, the awareness of it. And then it began, you know, so, and what we realized at the time that, that cannabis was really the everyday psychedelic. Right. You could hit it every day and get back to that place, maybe not as intensely, but you could still carry on. And it was your everyday psychedelic in the real world. 
Mm -hmm. That's so awesome. I have a question for you guys. Is microdosing taking off as much over across the pond? Unfortunately not, no. I mean, we uh, oh, looked really? into it recently, just over the last couple of months, and the mushrooms are still a class A here. It's uh, crazy oh, talk, man. Uh -huh. Class A drug, which is Schedule 1. It's, it's uh, like cocaine, opioids, heroin. It's considered right, on that level. Well, it's actually interesting because there's wow. a lot of medical and psycho psychological interest in, in um, especially mushrooms. Yeah. Uh, and so there's a couple of towns, uh, cities like Oakland and some places in Oregon have actually legalized the use of psilocybin mushrooms. Awesome. And some of the other like ibogaine and and uh, and and plant based uh, psychedelics have been legalized in a few places. So it's kind of interesting how that's coming along. And so it'll probably follow along elsewhere uh, pretty soon. Of course, it's still sporadic. But mm -hmm. oddly enough, in a place like Oakland, you can now legally drive under the influence of mushrooms. No way. But not cannabis. <laughs> wow. What? Really? Yeah. what? Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. I would never drive under mushrooms, man. I mean, microdosing well, oh, is really probably a different story. Yeah. yeah, no, you just tend to go really slow. That's what happens. <laughs> I can say, speaking up here in Canada, with respect to that microdosing question, I think, you know, people just like cannabis, cannabis has been legal here for three years and people are still hesitant to, to speak about their use, really. And the same goes for mm. mushrooms, being that mushrooms are still, mm. you know, illegal. Like you said, there are uh, therapies and things that have been passed and, and uh, recent studies that have been done, but but I will say on the black market websites, the, the mail order websites, almost, I would say 100% of them, maybe, well, I can't say 100%, but 99.9 .9 repeating percent of them all sell mushrooms. And not only mushrooms, but chocolates, the little pills with your half gram microdosing thing, like they have everything for everybody. So obviously there's a big demand for it here. They should, they should I've be. noticed that too, TG, that all the all those sites are offering mushrooms and mushroom edibles and all yeah, those yeah. things. Yeah, like the microdosing. Right there's definitely <laughs> interest in microdosing in Canada too, for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Is this something you guys might step into? Do you, do you grow your own mushrooms? Uh, no, they grow by themselves around here yeah, where we live. Um, but we're not. We're not in the. Uh, we don't have quite that knowledge how to grow them properly, but we do have cows on the ranch next to us, and they come over to our property and leave their calling cards, and then. A few months later, after it rains, who knows what grows oh, out of those okay. calling like cards? Psilocybin uh, pill, huh? Okay. Yeah. So people are coming out with other doses and mixtures too. Who is that guy brought that stuff up yeah. for us? No, my, microdosing is very popular in Silicon Valley. You know, all yeah. of the um, oh, yeah. techniques down there are really, I mean, they're realizing it really helps them have a clear head and they can get a lot of brilliant yeah. work done. I want to give it a try. Yeah. I do. But it's just sourcing them here in the UK is difficult because of the right. legal status. Some readily available in Amsterdam. There was places yeah, in Amsterdam. Amsterdam where you could get uh, the Philosopher's Stone and, and various things like that that were uh, more accessible. So uh, check out Amsterdam. You guys are just not that far away. <laughs> 45 minutes away. I can be there in an hour. <laughs> See you in a bit, lads. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great place. Have you been no, to Amsterdam? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. I suppose for cannabis cups and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. actually, there's a chance we might be there this coming summer for a cannabis cup even. Yeah, yeah. So we're waiting oh, really? to hear on that. Yeah. Well, I will be yeah. there in that case. Oh, yeah. Is, that, <laughs> the, is that the Canna World Cup that's in Amsterdam that's happening next summer? Yeah. 
Yeah. I think that yeah. is it. I've been watching that one and all the sponsors they're bringing on. It looks like a really, it, it'll be a fantastic event. Yeah. That's great. That's no, it great. looks yeah, like yeah. it. When, when we lived in Goa, we had an awful lot of friends who would spend half the year in Goa and half the year in Amsterdam, right? So we always had connections uh, mm. in Amsterdam to, uh, uh, you know, check in with all that's going on there. Yeah, yeah Marge yeah. was recently been on one of your classes. Anyway. Yeah, I was, I'm a certified gongier. Oh, great. Gosh, I should turn my camera on. Yeah. Wait, yeah, let's see. Oh. oh, Marge. I remember yeah. Marge. Hi. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing? That's right. I'm you doing were from great. Toronto, as I recall. Right? Oh, pretty close to Toronto. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Excellent. Congratulations on passing yeah, the test. You. Yeah, everything Excellent. was fantastic. I'm hoping you two might speak a little bit about the Gangier program because obviously you two we are on the council. Oh, and, yeah. Well, yeah, no, we're so honored to do that. We've, I mean, it took us about two and a half years to come up with that whole course syllabus for that. And um, that was two and a half years of some really fun meetings, I have to tell you, you know, because <laughs> they, they got together this council of, I think 13 of us, was it Swami? 18. 18 and um, of really top people in all different angles of the profession, you know, growers and manufacturers and dispensary testing, owners, testing labs. And testing labs, all kinds of things. And a lot of us were friends already. Most of us were. And we would just have these wonderful two day meetings where we'd all stay overnight together and just brainstorm and smoke a lot of weed trying to come up with ways to judge it and figure it out and you know qualify it so it's it's really um i think it's going to have a great future yeah. it's really something that yeah. we need so much well for those of you who might not be familiar it's a coursework of what 30 hours of courses or something like that and they come with uh, written stuff and with videos of the various experts who wrote the reports talking about it and then uh the, the key heart of the whole thing is what we call the standard assessment protocol sap and that's a, a way uh, uh, with a phone app of prodding you to answer all these questions about what you're smoking, right? And, and you know, first of all, in the, in the visual, what's what's the appearance and so on, and then in the the fragrance, the, the aromas, uh, and each one of those things then gets a point scale and so on, and then uh, the experience of it, uh, and so on. So it's a really detailed way to actually come out with a kind of evaluation of how good is that flower based on its look, its its fragrance, its flavor, smoking, and the effects. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've what, had about 100, 180 students now come through. Uh, the last couple uh, sessions are coming right after the Emerald Cup. Then there's a break and we start again with a new set of people in, in April. And it's not just um, the assessment. There's also in the courses, I mean, you learn all kinds like starting from the very most ancient history of cannabis. There's all this stuff on history. There's things on um, how to make hashish and different kinds of resins, how to how to be a server in a, a retail situation a and how to do that and what to ask people and do it properly. I mean, there's just a lot of other stuff. A lot it's, of science you know, in there. A lot of terpene stuff. And, and, terpenes yeah. and so on. A lot of it is really geared towards teaching um, people in the industry to not just rely on THC as a standard mm -hmm. and not to use the terms sativa and indica as because they just don't really apply anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, you know, trying to get it down to the nuts and bolts of how you can really describe this plant and then share the information between all the different Ganjay students so that if you've got 
you know, several of them tried a similar strain. You can see how does that, you know, go across the board. It's, it's just, I think, going to be end up being a really helpful tool in the long run for people, for both customers and for people that are, you know, actually trying to do the sales or, or the buyers in stores. Very helpful for buyers when they're looking at products. Um, it has a million applications. See, another thing I find exciting about it is that, uh, you know, you're calling from Canada. You were part of that. We had a student from Germany. They're, you yes. know, young people... Texas, from Florida, from Vermont, all over Maine, all over the place, places that are just starting to get into cannabis culture. And this gives you sort of a groundwork, uh, you know, a sort of basis that's kind of a common standard that we're working on. So it's, we're still, you know, somewhat changing and developing it, but it's got a lot of feedback uh, so far. And uh, th then the highlight is a, a two-day face-to-face um, -face training program uh, with people. And so we usually do about 10 or 15 people and we go through step by step. We take two days to go through the standard assessment protocol. And that then, uh, then, the, then the students will decide when they want to take the test. Yeah. So uh, it's been thrilling for us to meet all these young folks who are just really as passionate about flower as we are, right? And to say, hey, you know, the message is getting through, the torch is being carried, we can pass it on to the next generation with confidence that, uh, you know, and of course we always tell people, smoke more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would totally agree with everything you said. And I found it was really interesting is all the people that I met during the live training. And it was such a diverse group yeah. of people. It was really interesting and just, that knowledge from the Gonjay Council that was able to attend to uh, help, you know, sort of uh, give you the nuances of the standard assessment protocol too, which was right. really invaluable. And, and the people I met were amazing. Yeah. The networking that you can do yeah. of, of people yeah. and so on, I think it's gonna be-, be but, but you also got to visit the Emerald Triangle. Yes. Which is really cool because that's yeah, where the that's live cool. construction is right. It's kind of right on the border of Humboldt and Mendocino counties. So you really get the feeling for where we are. Um, of course, when you were here, Marge, it's already getting cold. It was post-harvest, is that you know time, but you can it still was, get a pretty yeah. good idea. Well, we went to Wendy's farm too, Son of Us Farms, right. and yeah. she had a winter run going. So she did have a few yeah. plants out there that we could yeah. visit. So that was really fascinating. And like you said. It's interesting too, because Kale, is that how you say his name? The German, yeah. young German man who was there. Uh, so cool because they're talking about legalization in Germany right now too. So very interesting. Yes. Yeah. And, and Mark, yeah. tell me, what do you plan you know, to do with your knowledge? Well, right now I'm, I'm part of the high on homegrown crew. So there's that. I have a podcast, Bite Me the Show, about edibles. I work in a dispensary. So I'm just sort of trying right. to bring all of that together under one umbrella and see where it goes. Uh, cannabis, yeah. cannabis, cannabis, cannabis. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. TG's yeah. the same. Cannabis, cannabis, cannabis. <laughs> so, TG, you're going to be looking at going on to one of these courses too. You're going to go visit Swami. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, I, I completely agree again, like Martin said, with everything, because I think that is what's solely missing here in Canada. Mm -hmm. Like so many of the bud tenders, and it's not really their fault so much because in Canada here we have such rigorous crazy packaging rules and all that but you can't even see the cannabis before you buy it so how are they supposed to really make an assessment without spending you know their own money which is expensive and why would they want to do that for companies that suck anyway but just to have that objective knowledge of what is good cannabis not what you like you know because that often gets conflated i think with what is good but um mm -hmm. yeah just is it 
can it smoke well? Does it do what it's supposed to? And then you can you can say I like cheese versus a haze or whatever. But uh, I mean, you, you no, need good cannabis first of all. Assessment. So. It's not about what you really like. It's about grading yeah. the cannabis on collective scale. And in the end, as you just said, in the end, you say, well, that's why I like it. Uh, yeah. But it's also all out there. So, uh, yeah, it's very exciting. And uh, and now we're coming up on the cup, on the Emerald Cup here. Well, the Emerald Cup harvest ball. It's not Whoa. the actual judging part. Usually, you know, for 16 years, we did the judging part in the middle of December, which was really too early because like we were talking before, it just wasn't cured enough you yeah. know, to judge fairly. So now we do the judging part in April, but we're still having the harvest ball coming up in middle of December because everyone likes to party at this time that's, of year. That's, oh man, I've never thought I'd ever want to go to a ball. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to live in the UK anymore. I want to come over there to the Emerald Triangle uh, and enjoy cannabis properly. Oh. <laughs> oh, I wish you could be here for this event. It'll be pretty fun. I mean, there will be a lot of cannabis for sale and different farms featured and all of that. And a lot of speaker panels and music and um, but you new don't, equipment. You, you don't and... have to wear a ball gown yeah, to, no to ball come. Gown. I would well, anyway. I'd wear whatever. I don't mind. <laughs> That's the great he's looking forward to. <laughs> you have not seen me in my green dress. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I bet somebody will wear a ball game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I wish you all be for that. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's got to take so a bomb always... like a glass slipper, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, really? That's yeah. a great idea. Um, so we always. Um, we host something called the Area 101 Lounge. Area 101 is a destination. It's a place up here in the Emerald Triangle where we started the Emerald Cup. It's the home to lots of big wild psychedelic trance parties that we've put on there. Uh, it's run wow. by Tim Blake, who's the producer of the cup. And so we're trying to bring that vibe still down to the Emerald Cup, even though it's not up here anymore. It's down in uh, south of here in a town called Santa Rosa, closer to San Francisco. And so we set up this big lounge area that is kind of got this vibe and that's where all the growers will be hanging out and it's it's a very chill place. It's great. So God, I wish you guys could be here though. Yeah, we, we wish more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll stop teasing you. So uh, where are you all calling from, Mackie? Where are you? You say you UK. Where about UK? UK? Right, like right in the middle yeah. of the UK, really. Yeah. Right, right. and uh, Greenbeard. I'm in Ireland, Swami. Oh, you're oh, in Ireland, okay. uh -huh. of course. What yeah. part of Ireland is that? Um, I, I'm in the Midlands, right, right in okay, the middle right. of it. Okay, and we know Marge and, and TG are from Canada. And what about Zombie Nation? Uh, UK, right in the middle, not far away from Mackie. Yeah, not too I far. Okay. And Monkey Do? Oh, I'm American. <laughs> I'm American. I had to say it that American. way because they always tease me about it. Okay, hey, you are American. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> really American, man. Like, I'm American. That's Merrick Mackey does me that all the time. Yeah, well, I hope you're going to get some better rules down in south of, southern parts of America, yeah, the southern states. Nice, um, we're hoping they, they just decriminalized possession of half an ounce. So if you get a half an ounce possession, you get a ticket for $100. So that, that's a start. That's a good start. Yeah, that's, that's a good start. We started off. Medical program yeah. is going to start allowing the patients to have whole flour, smokable flour in January. So, okay, oh, we're, we're okay. cracking a little bit at a time. We're better than Texas. 
That's great. <laughs> better than Texas. Been way one. better than Mississippi. Yeah, that should be a bumper sticker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah better than Texas. Boy, better I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you'd be amazed, Monkey, how many emails we get from people asking if we can send them some weed. And oh, I have no. to say, you know, I'm sorry, it's just not federally legal for me to do that yet because we have to be so careful. Yeah, of course. Company. Yeah, you have to stay above so, board. Um, I, I just I can't wait for the day that we can actually do that and get some good cannabis down there. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, no way. Well, I got good cannabis here, but it, it's not yours. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're really all about the sun grown and with organic regenerative, you know, because uh, whatever's in the soil, that's going to come up into the flower. Right. And uh, if you're only mm -hmm. putting poor, pure local and natural ingredients into the soil, then your flower is going to be a whole different kind of thing. The flower always expresses where it grows, right? And yeah. so, you know, I, you know, ultimately, I, I, the indoor can can develop. You know, I, I've spoken before on your show about how uh, how I don't like indoor. I've kind of changed my mind a little bit about that because there's so many states that only let you grow indoor and other countries right. too, they're trying to do the indoor. So I, I'm kind of saying, okay, indoor folks, let's get all together now and create what I would like to call like, you know, best practices or mm -hmm. standard procedures yeah. so that the customer knows what's going into their cannabis, you know? Now I know a lot of indoor places, they fill the, the room with carbon dioxide, right? And that helps the plants grow for sure. But you you know how much of it leaks out into the atmosphere because you obviously don't have a, a hermetically sealed building mm -hmm. so that has to be you know monitored and then the co2 how about that effect on the people working there yeah, right? right and then a lot of indoor grows they'll also spray sulfur so i also want to make sure so i think that you know the indoor people they have a right to exist and there are places where you need flour and you're not going to get it except it's indoor but let's up the grade let's up the way that indoor people grow and put some standards there and so that the customer really knows how how the flower is grown and and what's in it, you see. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the things that Ganjier Council can can help with. But I think the indoor growers themselves have to come together and say, "Hey, this is the best way to do it." And then you get a certificate for all the indoor growers monitored by the indoor growers themselves, not a government thing, but a, a self-monitoring thing. And mm -hmm. say, you know, so you have great, uh, this is A grade, B grade in terms of environmental mm -hmm. uh, uh, impacts and energy impacts and water use and so on. And also recycled water, all those things. Once you get those lined up and you have best practices, indoor can be very good. Never as good as outdoor, I'm yeah. going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you, Swami, actually. Uh, just on the look, the the uh, topic of location and and outdoor grown cannabis, like you're saying, I've heard you speak on it before. Um, cannabis terroir. What is what is your opinion on this? And does it exist? And and can it exist? I guess. Uh, well, you you pushed the button there, uh, TJ. Uh, <laughs> He's good at that. <laughs> so I've been, I've been, ah, get comfortable. Okay, that goes. <laughs> the overriding concept is terroir. Now, what does terroir mean? Is your question? Terroir actually comes from the, I think the Greek Latin, the, the Latin word, the Spanish word, uh, French word. tierra, French word, which means the earth, right? Earth. But in this sense, terroir from the French, it kind of more or less means of the soil or from the soil, right? 
And so that means that the place where the cannabis grows or whatever it is, wine, and in France, mind you, they have cheese with Appalachians and they have lavender with Appalachian and butter and honey and all these different things. There's like, you know, five pages, 120 entries on each page of everything in France that has an Appalachian. Now, Appalachian is a French word that means the name of, or it means that something is called Appalachian. If, you know, you from Canada know about uh, French, so je m'appelle, my name is, or I am called, appel, right? So Appalachian is the, the name of a place. And the name of a place is to telling you about its terroir. What's the soil like? But it's more than the soil. It's also the climate, right? And it's the geology and, and the uh, what's in the soil. It's also the how much of a, um, of, a, of a terrain is it with mountains and valleys, right? And then the other part of it for Appalachian and terroir is very much what is the influence of the grower, that person, and also all the growers of a region that have certain ways that they do things that they've uh, developed over the years. And those ways of doing things are kind of what their standard is. And they've also developed and realized that certain cultivars do better where they are and other cultivars don't do very well. So all of those things combine together to say this flower, this cannabis is from this place, and that gives it a special flavor, a special taste, a special look. And it's a combination of weather, geology, the soil, and also the culture of the people who live there and what they've developed over the years. So it's, it's the expression of the area, uh, that the, the flavor of the place is somehow, it's sometimes called, right? And so it's something that's very important for cannabis because Every area growing has its certain ingredients in the soil and in the water. So in California, we've tried to develop a, a new set of standards for cannabis appellations based on terroir. And it's going through the legal process right now. I've been working on that since about 2008. And we've got this group now called Origins Council in California. And we now have <coughs> about, let's see, eight different cannabis organizations from eight different counties in California, and they represent the old time growers, the legacy growers, and the people who have now established a reputation in their area for fine cannabis based on where they grow and how they grow, right? So we have this group Origins Council, there are eight regional councils and the, the combined membership of all those regional councils is over 900 growers in California. So we're starting to get some political clout in Sacramento, the state capital. Uh, we're starting to uh, work on environmental uh, restrictions and so on and so forth. So uh, we're, we're starting to get some real uh, clout with the, with the government. And so one of the things I'd recommend to all of you folks is you've got to start organizing politically on a local level, and I'll call it grassroots level, obviously. And so the grassroots level is you organizing and going down and talking to your city council, talking to your county government, talking to your regional government, and getting a group of people organized together, having meetings, electing officers, getting bylaws, all that kind of boring stuff. But then you start to get members and all of a sudden the political people say, hey, wait a second. This is one guy speaking. This is one woman talking. But they represent three or 400 people behind them. And when you give a politician a number of five or six, 700 people, they're saying the same thing. It gives them a cover, it gives them a way to say, 
okay, I might not agree with this so much, but my constituents want this. Mm -hmm. So your job is to organize your constituents on a local level. <laughs> and I, Nikki hates meetings, but she was in five Zoom meetings yesterday, right? <laughs> Poor Nikki. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know? So it's organizing your friends, getting out there, talking to people, having meetings, putting stuff on social media. It's political action. And you know what? It's another way that cannabis teaches us. Cannabis teaches us to be politically active, to connect with your neighbors, and stand up for your rights and demand what you want. And you're with together, together the people, you can make changes. And But you have to be consistent. Nikki and I have been working on this since 2014. All this legal stuff, getting ourselves legal, getting working with the government to try and make the restrictions less, and <laughs> now finally working on Appalachian. We're all now hung up also on environmental impact. Mm -hmm. We're having to deal with that. So, so, you know, what is it now? Eight years, just about, and we're not done yet. And you know what? Probably ain't never going to be done. No. no. <laughs> Good. You know, you do, want something to fight do for. an epic job of it. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> yeah. So we just have to commit and, and keep up your commitment. And you know what? All the way through, you know what helps you? Smoke more dope. Yeah. Smoke more. Smoke more. <laughs> <Good choice. laughs> High quality weed always helps. Back <laughs> when you grow it, you know it's high quality weed. Yeah. Opposed to buying straight. Right, because you know what you put in it. Right, yeah, yeah you know right. what you put in it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Blood, sweat, tears, so, yes, and love. So, yes, terroir is very important. And, and at a certain point, we will be able to actually establish our individual appellations so that we can all actually put that on our packaging, right. just like with wine, so it'll mm -hmm. say what it's from. It's a long process. It's not cheap either. The government's mm -hmm. going to make us pay them a lot of money to be able to get this okay to use the appellations. But we think it's going to be worth it in the long run, and and it's not really a lot of money if it's split up between. Well, yeah, it depends. Six or seven. Depends how many people you one, have. In your one area. grower can't declare an appellation. It has to be a minimum of three, and then they go through a whole process of first of all drawing the outline of what they consider their area, then getting meteorological reports, geological reports, all those sorts of things, and then coming up with the farmers, that's the key thing in California and also in France as well, other places, it's the farmers who create the standards, mm. not the government. The government enforces them, but the standards are collectively agreed on by the growers in that particular area. So in California, we have to have things like standards. Now standards are something like it would be uh, no, no imported water. You have to get the water from your land, whether it's a spring or a river or a lake, right? Uh, and then, you know, one of the things that has to be grown in the ground, right? It has to have no structure over it, right? And basically, it's the long season. It's not a light deprivation thing. So all of those qualities guarantee the product, but also always eliminate people who aren't doing that, right? Mm, so it yeah. narrows the field down. And then once you get that letter, then you have to get the farmers to agree on these standards, practices, and cultivars, right? So maybe you have to say everybody's got to be certified organic in some way or other. But the whole thing comes down to the farmers themselves saying to be part of our group and to use our appellation, you can only do this, this, and this. And you also simultaneously can't do this, this, and this, right? Mm -hmm. And as I said, it's the farmers coming up with that. And so part of the thing with terroir is that, you know, in the, in the old days with computers, they would say garbage in, garbage out, right? Well, it's the same with plants. If you put garbage in the soil or synthetic fertilizers or fertilizers based on salt, 
That's what's going to be in the plant. <laughs> and I, you probably are familiar with the whole Chernobyl nuclear power plant in, in, in Russia that exploded. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, after it exploded, the whole land was evacuated and it was polluted with, by, with radiation. What did they do? They planted hemp everywhere. Yeah. Mm. What did the hemp do? Pulled the radiation pull the out of the soil. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's great. But then it ended up in the hemp. Well, you're not going to want to smoke that, right? Or do nope. anything with it. I don't know. Why Will it give me superpowers? Uh. <laughs> right. There you go. Okay, Spidey. Yeah. We have I mean, the man. The weed <laughs> man. <laughs> Closing the dark and everything. Oh, garbage in, garbage out thing is perfect though. I, I work in, in a CBD THC extraction facility here in Saskatoon. And uh, we mostly deal with, with hemp biomass, I guess you call it. But some, yeah. some of the stuff is, is cannabis from the LPs, the license holders as well. But most of it is like you said, it's, it's extraction. So, and we do ethanol extraction. So it's garbage. Most of it is garbage. I'll say it right, right now. And uh, the, the product that comes out of it is, you know, people wonder why we're not getting what we're supposed to out of it based on parameters, you know, but it's just when you treat the plant so poorly, um, then yeah, of course, you're going to have, have problems in the end. But when so. you're concentrating, if you're doing a concentration, you're likewise concentrating the contaminants, yeah. right? And it might yeah. not measure very much in the flower, it might pass in flower, but when it's concentrated, you then get up above those uh, uh, acceptable limits. And yeah. uh, then people are ingesting that, thinking that it's something else. And you, you probably have testing, all, all, though, in, in Canada, right? Yeah, our, our all, we have to submit, obviously, to licensed labs and have the certificate of analysis pass all the parameters based on uh, the specs right. before we can release anything. And we do have filtration and stuff that, that removes that. But, but yeah, you're exactly right. You know, it doesn't always work. And uh, there have been instances where there has been stuff, not from, from us in, in concentrate form, but contaminated cannabis flower yeah. uh, that people have used and gotten ill from. So uh, yeah, well, that's part of the problem here in the States when they did the hemp thing, there are no, no testing required for hemp products. So they get the biomass and you can go to a, a gas station now and pick up a little bottle that says CBD on it. Yeah. Well, they tested a bunch of those and they found 90% of them, if they even had CBD yeah. in them, <laughs> right? It wasn't how much on the label, right? And more than that, was, was it pesticide free? All these other things, right, that is now required of, of cannabis, especially in California. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're having a tough time of it, but the fact for the consumer, when you buy legal uh, cannabis in California from a legal dispensary, you know it's tested, it's pure, and whatever it says on the label, that's what's in the jar. Mm. So it might cost a little more. We're trying to get those prices down, but you have a guarantee mm -hmm. for the consumer that, hey, this is the real stuff and this is what it is. That's what I'd rather buy. I'd rather put the extra money in and get the good shit, you know? Yeah. Safety yeah. is important, yeah. too, especially if you're yeah, yeah. medical or you know, immunocompromised or something like this. Mm -hmm. So. Well, see, we feel that exactly. as growers, the ethical responsibility that we're, we're putting out uh, medicine. And I actually, in some ways, think that every use of cannabis is medicinal yeah. because it raises your spirits. I and, agree. You know, you know, they used to, we used killer. to say laughter is the best medicine, and cannabis produces the best laughter. So logically, <laughs> philosophically, obviously, cannabis is the best medicine, right? And so that's the thing. We feel that we have to put out a pure product so that the medicine getting to the people is 
what they want and it's going to do what they expect. Well, stress is the cause of so much disease. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we all know cannabis can really help with that. So it yeah. definitely, you know, you might not know that you're 100%. smoking it for that reason, but it is going to help. Yeah. yeah. Really. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 Important stuff. Yeah. So, any other questions out there? So many. So <laughs> <laughs> But you'd like so how many of you actually grow? Oh, we all grow. Any of you all we all do. All we all grow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, a, it's part of the rules is you, you have to be high on homegrown to be on the show, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or to be high on homegrown when you that's don't grow good. your own. Yeah. 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 Great. Oh, that's wonderful. And are you, are you mostly doing it indoor just because of where you live? Or? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. ZN and myself and uh, GB and Monkey as well. We're still yes, illegal growers. So we have to, yeah. you know, keep it hidden as much as possible. Right. Yeah, still right, oppressed right. by the so government, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The laws are very severe. Crazy. Oh, really? Crazy. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Man. You know, yeah. here you guys having a cannabis ball and you got a nice <laughs> field with your own plants in. <laughs> The Tifu running around and shit. Oh man. Well, I tell you, it hasn't been it's been a long struggle to get mm -hmm. here for sure. And oh, I yeah. want to tell you, there's an awful lot of old-time growers who have suffered seriously, families that were broken up, people going to jail for a very small amount, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the father taken away, all that sort of stuff. So it hasn't been, I mean, it has had a lot of cost for a lot of people, but there's something about this plant that the plant itself gets a hold of you, right? The yeah, plant kind of seeps into your consciousness and sort of, you know, makes you do things that you didn't think you'd ever want to do or do. Like the first time I, I went to the Board of Supervisors here in Mendocino County and I stood up to talk and tell them and my knees were shaking and my voice was cracking. And I said, first thing I said is, I'm a marijuana grower here in, in Mendocino County, you know, and it's like right out front. And, you know, it was it was really a, an amazing experience for me. And, uh, you know, it was something that, you know, to, it felt like I was being brave, which was stupid, right? Because this is the most amazing drug and we've been growing it for 10,000 years, you know. Mm -hmm. And another time when we first got legal, we got the, the county sheriff's department, they put out these zip ties with the county sheriff's name on them, right? Mendocino Sheriff's Office. And we got one per plant. So we had to pay $25 for each plant. So we go down to the sheriff's office, and we're in the car, and I say to Nikki, you go in. <laughs> and uh, it was semi-legit, because at that time, the property was listed in her name and so on. But I just, you know, I was chicken, I have to say. Mm -hmm. And and Nikki was the brave one who went in. And then uh, what did we do? And then uh, shortly after that, a, a sheriff came out to the property to come in and, and uh, count the plants to make sure we had the same plants that we said we did, right? Mm -hmm. So he comes out in the sheriff's car. First thing he does when he gets out of his car is he puts his service revolver back in his holster, right? Mm -hmm. And he looks at me and he says, you know, I spent 40 years of my life arresting people for this. Now I got to approve you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. He says, to me, he says to me, you ready to sign your life away? I, I said, Jesus. You know, that's the way bad. to start a conversation with the sheriff, right? Wow. Exactly. Right, he was cool. But he miscounted the number of plants. He counted the number of plants three times. He came up with three different numbers. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
Right. Yeah. Numerically yeah. skilled. So anyway, it hasn't been easy, but we've actually been very lucky. We've been blessed all the way along. A lot of people have come to help us. A lot of people have volunteered and so on. But we see ourselves as the pioneers, not just us, but this whole group of people up here that are doing the sun growing mm -hmm. and up here in the Emerald Triangle. You know, we are the pioneers that are going through this. And hopefully, you know, the trials and tribulations that we face going through this are going to help all of you to have it that much easier. That's mm -hmm. what we're praying that, you know, it'll and avoid it some of the mistakes that the, were made politically yeah. here. Right. Yeah. So we have really drastic rules. So when your countries go legal, or your state goes legal. Do not follow California's advice. Maybe Oregon would be a better, better model or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, we need a new one, actually. Yeah, something something kind of a combination of Oregon and Oklahoma, maybe. See, part yeah. of what's happening here yeah. is that the, the law is set up to kind of favor big business, uh -huh. and then the taxes are also really uh, horrendous. For mm -hmm. example, you know, it's been declared a medicine, and I think 36 states in, in, uh, in the United States now have said that it's medicine, but mm -hmm. there's no other medicine that gets taxed. Right. True. We get taxed as a cultivator for growing medicine. And it's just like, wait a second, not only is it medicine, it's essential business. Why are you taxing us? Mm -hmm. And we pay, they just raise the tax on us when the price is going down. We pay $10 and eight cents tax yeah. for every ounce. Wow. Right. And so, well, you know, that's yeah, so that comes out to 160 something a pound. And you know, when people are getting paid, say three hundred dollars a pound. You have to pay 160 for that and 125 for your trimmers. Yeah. Where's the profit? There's nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing. So you have to be careful how it goes in yeah. And, yeah. and so on. You know, support the little farmer. And the other thing you all need to add, really, really uh, campaign and lobby for is homegrown. Mm -hmm. You have yeah. to yes. make sure that the law allows home growing whether i mean i know you have it in canada i think but other places they're talking even some states in the united states do not allow home growing it's right. really crucial mm -hmm. for those people we have two provinces in canada that banned it right off the get-go at legalization there's a there's a court case going to the supreme court right now uh jesse lavoie is, is uh, the gentleman's name in manitoba who's uh, taken it because yeah they're not allowed to grow they have to buy it yeah so yeah so that's the uh, basically a fundamental human right, the right not only to grow your own food, but to grow your own medicine. I mean, that's sort of like one of the first principles of a free society, yeah. mm -hmm. to grow your own you, food and your own medicine. You imagine and, if they uh, ban gardening. Manitoba, there's no, they're just kind of backwards there. You know, their government cited all the regular, you know, mold in the grows. It's going to be, the kids are going to get into it and all of it's going to be diverted to the black market. I don't know. They have a, a fairly, like I say, conservative government in power right now. So, and Quebec, Quebec is, I can't really say much about Quebec. I'm pretty far west and they're, Quebec's very independent and they like to do things their way, um, pretty much everything. So, uh, I don't know, but the two court, the cases are linked now. So they're going to be, it's a joint Supreme Court case challenging the ban on home growth. So I hope it, you know, goes forward and passes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a key thing. Yeah, good luck on that. So, uh, 
yeah, listen, yeah. Uh, I have a really, as we call it, a hard out at one o'clock. I've got another uh, conference call and that's with the Origins Council. So if anybody's got any last questions that are just burning the tip of your tongue. Oh, just, uh, let uh, just let everybody know where they can find more information about you guys. That'll be cool. We have links okay. to your website and your podcast that's and stuff. Yeah, that's easy. Just go to um, the website is www.swamiselect.com. That's easy. And we're also on Instagram and we're on Facebook at Swami Select. And, and make sure you find the right ones. I can't believe all these scammers out there. Yeah. They just take over and make up fake sites. And, and then they're trying to like sell seeds under our names and people send them money and then they never send them any seeds. And then it looks bad on yeah, us. Yeah, that's terrible. So please, please make sure you get to the right one. We have all kinds of information saying this is the right one, you know, so hopefully you can find that. And by the way, yeah. we, we don't sell seeds, you know, so yeah, we don't even anybody sell seeds. First class, right. yeah. we, we do have a promotion with homegrown seed company where we don't make those seeds. We just test them out and, and, and uh, promote certain ones that are full seeds. Right. Mm -hmm. But actually, we do mm -hmm. not sell seeds. So anybody who says that they're counterfeit. And we okay. also don't send cannabis. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Just> stop asking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah someday and if anyone is around california please come december 11th and 12th to the harvest ball it's going to be a lot of fun and um we'll just have to get over to england again at some point soon i'd love to get over to the uk and we had such fun last time we went so i guess we got to get a trip into canada too at some point and come up and visit you guys Tour. i was thinking <laughs> we could all do like a like a reunion at the at the world cup or the canna cup in Amsterdam. Mm, you guys I'm are going, sorry. we can oh, all go. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's the yeah. dream. Yeah. So yeah. select <laughs> world dream. tour. Yeah, yeah. ma'am. So I'll be there. Select world tour. <laughs> yeah, would be fun to meet you all up there. That would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys got a great team going. Keep growing as much as you can and changing consciousness. And you guys Thanks, too, man. Guys. Keep doing the awesome yes. work you do. And thank you very much oh, for joining will. us. Absolutely. Appreciate everything. Oh, oh, thanks so much for inviting us. Thank you. Yes, man. Thanks Thank you so much. Blessings to all. Happy Thanks, holidays. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bye now. Bye now. So there you go. Yes, awesome interview with Nikki and Swami. Make sure you check these guys out if you don't know who they are, because they are actual legends up in California, making massive changes for not just California, but across the whole lot of the United States and the rest of the world as well. Uh, make sure you go out and support them as much as possible. They have their own podcast. They have their own website. Go and check out everything they do. As you can tell by the interview, they are super cool people, man. And people like this deserve our support. So make sure you get out there and support them. Again, thank you very much. To, for listening to the show not just this one but all of our previous episodes too thank you for sharing the show thanks for being a patreon if you are a patron if you want to be a patron then head to patreon.com slash percy's grow room but there's no pressure you, you don't have to become a patron just listen to the show share the show just like you've been doing and that is just perfect for us but thank you again for listening to the show for so long we appreciate it massively so don't forget to share with your friends and come and join us on the Friday on, on the Christmas Eve session on Friday. It'd be a pleasure to see you all there. So don't forget that's youtube.com slash high on homegrown. Everybody's welcome. You know, get over there, subscribe, and join us for a live session on Christmas Eve. It'll be awesome to see you there. But if we don't see you there, have a great Christmas. Enjoy the festive season. There'll be another show before the new year for you all to listen to and download, of course. And we look forward to seeing you there too. But if not, 
Have a great festive season and we'll see you soon. Nice. Goodbye.